Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. So glad that you could join us for a look at the book, the book we're looking at today, the book of Zechariah. I have a six-part series on the book of Zechariah. This is a book that will help you understand the times in which we're living. You know, many people talk about the Jewish feast and the fulfillment of these Jewish feasts. Well, this study that we're going to take right now in Zechariah helps us to understand the fulfillment of the feast. That's just in a moment, but let me tell you, this is a six-part audio series on CD that is available to you. And after we have our study, I'll tell you how you can get your own personal copy so you can study through the book of Zechariah. But right now, let's spend a few moments taking a look at the book, the book of Zechariah and the Fulfillment of the Jewish Feast. Look over at John chapter 19 just a moment. John chapter 19. I've tried not to slip all over the synoptic gospels, but I'll take you to John chapter 19. Now let me show you something. Verse 31. John chapter 19, verse 31. He's still on the cross. We're just at that time when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are taking him off of the cross. John chapter 19, verse 31. Now the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, in other words, they prepare for high holy days. Look what happens. That the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is Saturday. But wait a minute, there's a definition of this Sabbath day. Back in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, it says all of the high holy days are Sabbath days. What does Sabbath mean? The day of rest. He said, I'm giving you these feasts as feasts of rest, as periods, of days of rest. That's why we call our series the Holidays of God, setting aside a time of rest. And he said, now look, verse 31, he said that you're not allowed to remain on the cross on the Sabbath day. Look at here. For that Sabbath day was a high day. Remember back in Leviticus 23 when it's talking about The first day, the 15th day of the first month, which is unleavened bread, it says it is a holy convocation, a high holy day. Not a normal Sabbath, a high holy day. And so they could not leave the bodies on the cross. They had to get it off. They had to be in the grave. They had to be buried. And so they're buried. Now, let me show you something. Skipping all over this, but look at chapter 20, verse 1. Now, the first day of the week. We have talked about a day which is Passover, the first day of unleavened bread. There has to be, I'm going to show you in a moment, the Sabbath day, so that's the third day, and then the first day of the week. What's the first day of the week? first day of the week is Sunday. Why? Because Saturday is the last day of the week. In Israel, we have church on Saturday, the last day of the week. Why? Because Sunday is the first day of the week. And that's the day everybody goes to work or school. Ridiculous to try to have a church service on on Sunday morning when everybody's going to work and school. We're not trying to abide by Jewish law. We're just making it convenient for people to come to hear the gospel. That's why we meet on Saturday. Now look here. Chapter 20, verse 1, John. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. Before sunup, that first Sunday, Mary comes. Now, I said these first feasts were all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And I think this is essential in understanding real truth. We have been fed a lie from the pit of hell by a false religiosity which will one day become the one world church. And that one world church says on Good Friday, honey, if he was crucified on Good Friday, there ain't nothing good about it. And we've been propagated a lot of wrong things. I'll tell you another one tomorrow. John 20, let me show you something. Right here, he was resurrected before sunup. See the days I have up here? Look here, the blue line comes down at 6 a.m. on that day. The red line coming down is 6 p.m. First fruits has to happen on a Sunday after Saturday, the Sabbath. So we know first fruits is on Sunday. And therefore, it was before sunrise that morning, Jesus Christ resurrected on first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. He has become our first fruits. Now this is derived benefit for us as believers because Paul is writing to Christians in 1 Corinthians 15. But for the Jew, the indicator, the evidence that he was the Messiah, he resurrected on first fruits. He came out. Now wait a minute. Always everybody has a difficulty. Well wait a minute. If he was crucified on Friday, what am I going to do with Matthew 12, 40? They said, we want a sign, Jesus. Give us a sign. He said, I'll give you a sign. As Jonah was in the belly of a well for three days and three nights, so will I be. Honey, there ain't no way you can get six periods of time out of Friday to Sunday morning before sunup. Jesus in John chapter 11 at the resurrection of Lazarus, he defined what a day and a night was. A day is 12 hours, a night is 12 hours. Jesus Christ, by his own statement, had to be in that grave for at least a portion of 72 hours. Now, what do I mean by that? Tradition in the Middle East is if you're in a portion of a day or a night, it's the whole thing. All right? Now, listen to me. If this is the time he resurrected, that's the first night. And then here is the first day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then here... Oh, notice that is uh, Saturday. This is the second night from 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday is a day, Saturday. There's the second night. Here's the second day. Here's the third night. Here's the third day. What day is that? That is Thursday right here. And in the ninth hour, it had been dark from the sixth hour, 12 noon, to the ninth hour, 3 p.m., and then the crucifixion took place. By the way, I told you on John chapter 12, verse 1, Jesus came to Jerusalem six days before the Passover, arrived on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, six days. And I submit to you, Jesus Christ was crucified. And that was the day of Passover. How do I know? It happened this year. April the 4th was Passover. The Passover Seder was observed on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. 
We did it at our church in the city of Jerusalem. Just exactly like at the time of the death of Jesus Christ. Here is Passover. Here is the first day of unleavened bread. Here is the Shabbat. And here is first fruits. He fulfilled every one of those first three feasts. Just exactly like God had written down 1,500 years before when he gave them the feast. By the way, uh, next feast is Pentecost. Count from this Saturday, not this one, but count from there, seven more Shabbats or Sabbaths, and then the Sunday after, the day after the last Shabbat, be the Feast of Pentecost. What happened on the Feast of Pentecost? You know Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit descended out of the heavenlies. What does that have to do? Well, I tell you, it has everything to do. They were celebrating the harvest on that day. 3,000 Jews came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's the harvest. What had he promised? Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. In that day, I will bring you up. Having been redeemed, I will put my spirit in you. Remember Ezekiel chapter 37? The bones standing up. Then they come together with flesh on them. And then the breath of life, that's the spirit of God, is breathed into them. The promise for Pentecost was the appearance of the Holy Spirit. Not to the church. Listen to me. The feast are for the Jews. Not to the church. We have derived benefits praise God but they had absolutely technical interpretation that said the Messiah would die on Passover he would be buried in unleavened separated he would resurrect on first fruits and 50 days later as he promised my spirit what did he say to the Jews chapter 16 I gotta go what did he say I'm going to do? I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I got to go. I promise. Why did he say he's talking to Jews? He's not talking to Christians. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And four of those first seven feasts were fulfilled. What in the world does this have to do with Zechariah? I'm glad you asked. Turn to chapter 7 of the book of Zechariah. Let me show you what it has to do because there's three feasts left out there. The Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we see in chapters 1 through 6 of the book of Zechariah, the eight visions. We come now to chapter 7 and 8. This is the second part of Zechariah. We now see four messages. And then we're going to see two prophecies in chapters 9 to 14. But look at the two messages. You got Zechariah chapter 7 open? Zechariah chapter 7. Let me show you where the first message starts. Verse 4. We're not going to deal with the first three verses. You do, we can do that. We just don't have time. It's Zechariah chapter 7 verse 4. Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me. And here comes the first message. And we'll see in a moment. It's a message of rebuke. And we're going to study through that as verses 4 to 7. Look at verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, and this is a message of repentance. 
And we're going to see that. This is verses 8 to 14. Look at chapter 8. And again the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, and we're going to see in verses 1 to 17, this is a message of restoration. Then look over in chapter uh, 8, verse 18. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, and we're going to see in verses 18 through 23, this is a message of rejoicing. The first message, a message of rebuke. The second message, a message of repentance. The third message, a message of restoration. The fourth message, a message of rejoicing. Now, wait a minute. The Feast of Trumpets. What was that? That was a call to repentance. How do you move into repentance? You rebuked. Look in chapter 7, verse 4. Then came the word of the Lord... By the way, Zechariah knew those first four feasts are going to be fulfilled. That's why he's not dealing with the first four feasts. He's dealing with the last three. Look at here, he says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, speaking to all the people of the land, and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh month, even in the seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me? You're doing all those fasts. You're showing off to everybody. Did you fast unto me? Man, that's a rebuke. The Lord of hosts is chastising. Zechariah, you tell those people, you were having all those fasts. Did you do it unto me? Look at verse 7. Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets? He's rebuking them. Why? To get them to repent. Look what verse 8 says. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment. What happens when you do that? Repentance. Look at here what he said. And show mercy and compassion every man to his brother, and oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. That's what they're supposed to do. But what did they do? They refused. They refused to do it, to hearken. They pulled away their shoulder, verse 12, and they made in their hearts an adamant stone, hard-hearted people. Therefore came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Verse 14, I scattered them among all the nations. Why? To cause them to repent. <laughs> Moses said in Deuteronomy 28, if you don't obey him, he's going to catch you to the four corners of the earth. Why? For all that tribulation period, to cause them to repent. To repent. He wants repentance out of That's the feast of trumpets. The alarm is sounded. What happens at the feast of trumpets? For 10 days, they repent. They get their hearts right. Thank you for joining us here as we have taken a look at the book, looking at Zechariah. And really what we've been looking at is the fulfillment of the Jewish feast and how they play into the end time scenario that God's prophetic word reveals to all of us as we study it diligently. By the way, you need to have your copy of Zechariah. It's entitled The Zechariah Perspective. It's a six-part audio series on CD that is available to you. 
You can call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, and make your order by going to our shopping mall. The title of this series, The Zechariah Perspective, and it's a six-hour audio series on CD that will help you get a handle on this very important prophetic book. As we study Zechariah, and in fact all of the prophetic books, we become more and more aware every day that the next event in God's calendar of activities, the rapture of the church when Jesus shouts, the archangel shouts, and the trumpet God calls us up to be with him, that that could happen at any moment. In fact, it could happen before I finish the next sentence. And in light of that, there's nothing left for me to say now, except let's keep looking up until... 